morning, everybody. It's good to be here. For those of you who don't know us, um, who are guests this morning, my name is Lee. This is Josh. Lee and Josh, none of this foolishness aside from that. Um, We are ministers here um, at Sanctuary Fellowship, and it is always such a joy to come and bring you the word, um, especially with just the fire of the word that's just been coming just through this pulpit for the past several weeks. It's been really exciting. And so for us to sort of come on the heels, even just the, the preaching last week, I mean, I was just blown away. Shout a big amen if you were just so blessed by last week's message. I also want to greet our online community. So hello, online community. Thank you for joining us this morning, and we hope that you're just as doubly blessed um, through the airwaves as everyone sitting in the congregation. Well, this morning, like I said, we are excited to be here on the heels of teaching not only in our series following Peter, but teaching on the Holy Spirit and and showing and being a living witness that the Spirit of God is alive and well, not only providing for us financially over this house, which is just, just incredible how God has supplied our every need, but he's also doing that spiritually. He's also doing that, and you may not be aware of this, but There's so much happening supernaturally in this church and the spirit and how God is moving. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that move of God. I don't want you, and I know the leadership staff and everybody who's on staff here at the church, we don't want you to just come here every Sunday and hear a good message, but we want you to literally dive in and become a part of the move of the spirit of God and what he's doing. And I know that that might sound a little foreign to some of you, and it may actually sound like I'm speaking a different language. However, this is our norm. This should be our norm. We should be moving and living out the Holy Spirit in the supernatural works of God. If y'all are on board, just say amen. Amen. I know a lot of you are excited. Well, I wanted to greet some friends that I have here today. Um, I attend a mommy prayer group. Um, every Tuesday, which has just been so fulfilling. And so I encourage you guys to get connected, if you're a stay-at-home mom, to a prayer group or some sort of fellowship because it's so good for the soul, for the mind, for the spirit. Um, and so my good friend Jillian and her, and her family is here today. Um, and I wanted to give you just a little story about how Jillian and I met. Jillian's an old friend from high school. And when I got saved and radically saved at that, and a lot of you know my testimony, um, I just had come from a very bad reputation and I was going to drop out of high school and the Lord told me, no, stay still, stay exactly where you are. And so I stayed, I was obedient to the Lord. I was only 17 years old and all I knew was the fire of God that was living on the inside of me and I just started preaching Jesus to anybody that would give me their ear. And so one day I'm in the bathroom where we used to smoke cigarettes and gossip and cut class and you know, all that stuff, you know, you cut class, you know, you know what the bathroom is for cutting class, whatever, in the bathroom. But, you know, when I was sanctified, I cut for Jesus. So, like, we cut class, you know, to minister to people, clearly, because that's what you do when you get saved and you're 17 years old, right? So I was cutting for Jesus one day. Don't judge me. And I was in the bathroom, and I was ministering to this girl, and the presence of God just came so full and so strong. And the girl just fell to her knees, and I was laying hands on her. We were just praying, and the Spirit of God just was all over this girl. And in walks Jillian, and she's younger than me, and she's like, what? She hears something around the corner, and she's like, what the heck? What's going on in here? And she just goes over to look, and she's like, oh, 
okay. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she was a Christian. So she just stood and was like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and started, like, interceding on the side. And so from that, we went on to start a Christian club in our school, and revival just swept through the hallways of my high school. I went to a performing arts high school in Manhattan, and we were watching people get slain in the spirit in the hallways where you do bad things, bad things, bad things in the back hallways. But it was used and it was sanctified and it was redeemed for the glory of God. And we were just laying hands on people and people were falling out in the spirit and people were speaking with other tongues in the spirit and people were getting healed and I was getting beeped. Remember beepers? I was getting beeped with classroom numbers and we were cutting for Jesus and we were running to the classrooms praying and fights were breaking up and peace was coming and It was just amazing, amazing, amazing. And revival broke out. So I want to encourage all the teenagers and the young people, whether you're in the room or watching online, Jesus can use you at a young age. He wants to use you. He wants to pour out his spirit through you. None of this funny, weird stuff, just power flowing through you. doesn't matter how old you are. I tell my kids that all the time. I tell them, get fired up for Jesus. I would never tell you to do something that I would not do myself. And I'm kind of, you know, bold for Jesus, so that's expecting a lot from my kids. So pray for them, okay? Pray for them. I love you guys. I love you. i got three teenagers in the back. I love you all. You're awesome. You guys are some good kids. You make me proud. I know you're embarrassed, but you all are some good kids. You are covered by Jesus, and you are powerful in the Lord. All right. Well, I just wanted to share one more testimony, if that's okay something pretty incredible happened yesterday at our women's ministry. Who was here? What woman? Raise your hand if you were here for Emerge yesterday. All right, y'all. There was something incredible that happened. And, and no joke, no exaggeration. So we hosted our very first paint party, and it was wonderful. And all the women, you made such beautiful creations, and I'm so proud of all of you. The artistry has just blossomed in your life, and I want to see more, and I can't wait. Um, And if you're online and you're watching, continue to paint. Hi, sisters. Um, And so we're prepping for this, right? And so Stacy buys all the supplies, and she gives me some paints. And she says, here, you know, take them home. And I didn't know how much she bought. And so I ended up just using what she gave me just on my own artwork because I'm an artist and I paint. And we get here yesterday morning, and she says, hey, do you have that extra paint that I gave you? And I'm like, uh, no, sorry. I'm like, I used it. She's like, you used it? Oh, no. This is all we have. And there were these little tubes of paint, and there were only two sort of casings with maybe like, I don't know, eight or ten painting paints in each case. And I wasn't using that much paint. Anyway, so we're looking at what we have in our quantity, and we're like, oh, my God. And me and Stacy start like nearly hyperventilating. We're like, oh, my God. There's going to be like 70 women here. How on earth are we going to supply paint? So then we remembered that there was some extra paint stored in in one of the closets that we could use for a part of the painting, but not all of the painting. And so I don't know if you all have that picture and if you could put it up, but no, 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 wait, 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 wait. They look big here. However, we needed each of these colors for 70 women. They were tiny tubes like this big, no joke. We had two of each of these colors. We when the ladies went around, and every time I needed to do the next step of the artwork, they went around and supplied nearly 70 women with paint for their paintings. Not only that, but came back and was like, hey, we still have so much left, that at the end of the session, when I told the women they could fill in some detail, they were able to go back to the tables and resupply the women with even more paint 
out of these little tiny tubes that no joke were this big. That is a miracle from heaven. I'm telling you now, we may take for granted these little things, but I went home last night and I scratched my head and I texted them and I said, what in the world? And I thought it was so, it was such a wonderful testament how in this season, God is pouring out by his spirit a provision like we've never, ever seen before. And if you're looking for it, I'm telling you, you're going to find it. But if you turn your head from it, you're not going to experience the glory and the wonder of God that he has right in front of you. He is concerned with every little detail. He is concerned with your home. He's concerned with your job. He's concerned with your finances. He's concerned with the food on your table. And God wants to provide like he did with the fish and the loaves, but that's not what we're preaching about today. So I haven't even started yet. I know. He's like, I know. He's like, you need to hurry up. All right. Well, we're going to get to it. I just want to say a quick prayer, quick prayer before we do. Lord, I just thank you so much, so much how you're just overwhelming us with your presence and your spirit in this house, in our lives, in these ministries. And so I ask, Lord, that your kingdom come that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that you would use Josh and I this morning to interpret your kingdom, to interpret your language, to interpret your words so fitly for this season and in the season of the lives of everybody watching online and everybody sitting in these seats. And so we will remember to always give you the glory because you have been so faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wanted to open up with some words from a familiar song. If you listen to K-Love or any Christian radio, um, this song is pretty popular right now. Um, it's called He Knows My Name by Francesca Battistelli. And the beginning of the first verse opens up like this. Spent today in a conversation, in the mirror, face to face, with somebody less than perfect. I wouldn't choose me first if I was looking for a champion. In fact, I'd understand if you picked everyone before me, but that's just not my story. True to who you are, you saw my heart and made something out of nothing. Is that your story this morning? And I believe that in this season, and I declare even this over your lives prophetically, that God is developing something out of absolutely nothing. And if you try to figure this out in your own logic, you will fail. Because this doesn't come by might, and it doesn't come by power, but it comes by the spirit of the living God. Now I tell you this. When I was a child, and I was beaten, and I was scarred, and I was bruised, he made something out of absolutely nothing. All that brokenness, all those tears. When I was suicidal, and I was locked up in a mental institution, he made something out of absolutely nothing. He took my mind, developed it, sanctified it, redeemed it, and now uses my brain in a supernatural way to hear prophetic words from heaven to feed you daily bread. Come on, that's a miracle. 
after I was orphaned two times over in one lifetime. He made something out of absolutely nothing. When I was held against my will and raped by a man who was HIV infested and a drug dealer, he made something out of absolutely nothing and cleansed and healed my body and prepared me for this man right here. In all the promiscuity, am I sitting in front of the pulpit? In all my promiscuity and in every sin that I committed against my body and against the will of God, God healed me supernaturally from every STD, from everything that was unclean in me, and gave me a man that I do not deserve. Gave me a man, watch it, say, watch it, watch it. I'm serious right now. I am serious. I'm trying to have a moment with these people, and you're not letting me. This is my moment. Man. No, it's not. See, I knew he was going to get carried away with that. I was like, he doesn't know I'm going to sit next to him. But, he, but God did. God did. And, and, and because God did that, he sanctified us. And he brought me to a man, even after all of that, that I, we could sit and preach the word together. I mean, the fact that we can do that. I don't deserve that. There's nothing in me, there's nothing good that I've done to deserve that because all I did was live a life of sin. But God made something out of nothing. When I was a runaway on the street, sleeping in stairwells and begging for money, God saw me where I was. And he said, I'm going to make something out of nothing in you. After seven and a half years of therapy, and a diagnosis of mental illness because of the abuse that I suffered. After being interpreted how my mind thinks through trying to read ink blots to psychiatrists and psychologists for seven and a half years, God went and made something out of absolutely nothing. When I was falsely accused of beating my daughter so bad that I fractured her skull and put her in a hospital in the ICU. And the church at that time that we were attending were against me and even accusing me the same. God looked at my ministry and he said, I'm going to make something out of absolutely nothing. When church folk accused accused me of wanting too much attention and misjudged my heart for ministry and just looked at me and just said, oh, all she wants to do is just be up there and be noticed. She just wants to be recognized. And when those misjudgments sat so deep in my soul that I almost dumbed myself down and shut off the gifts of God in me to please man. Jesus said, no, I'm going to make something out of nothing. And every time my mic was shut off and every time I was spoken against and every time there were those that sat in criticism and false opinion of who I was. Jesus said, it's okay. You forgive them. You be merciful. You be meek. Because I'm getting ready to make something out of absolutely nothing. 
So I want to know this morning, what's your excuse? I want to know what your excuse is. Because if I could walk through all that and see the Spirit of God, God alive and well and bursting from the inside of me, then what's your excuse? There is no excuse. It's your availability to the Holy Spirit that he wants from you. He wants you to make yourself available to him. There's a story in John 21 that we have based our entire sermon on this morning. And as we turn to it, and if you have Bibles, feel free to turn to that as I turn on my app. Oh, it's right there. Okay, no, I'll just read off of it. All right. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Now, mind you, a little sort of background here. Jesus had already died, and he was now showing himself to the disciples, right? They were all in a state of sort of mourning because now the Son of God, the Messiah, had left them on the earth, and they felt that they were without direction. And that was so good what Pastor George preached last week about the, the gentleman who was on that TV show who wanted a tattoo of a God to give him direction, right? Because we all need a sense of direction, especially when we feel like God is not with us. And so Simon Peter Thomas, called the twin, Nathanael of, uh, of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And I want to stay here just for a second, if we can just go back to three. He said, Simon Peter said, I am going fishing. So what happened here was he had left the work of his hands. He had left that work to follow Jesus. Now Jesus is not there, so he's like, I've got to make a living for myself. I mean, it was pretty easy when I was walking the earth with the Son of God. You know, we had everything provided for us. But now he's not there any longer. So he goes back to what he once knew. And so when the other disciples see him and hear him say, I'm going to go fishing, they're like, you know what, let's go. Because, I mean, what are we going to do? We don't have anything now. We don't know what the next step is. We don't know what the next direction will be. Okay, we can go to the next. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. And right here, the Lord gave me the most beautiful revelation. It says now here that Peter was stripped for work, right? Because that's a state of mind. He stripped himself because he was in a place of mourning. He was in a place where he had no more hope because the Son of God was not with him and he didn't know what was next. And so the Lord reminded me because it says, I mean, wouldn't it make sense if you're inside of a boat 
and you're getting ready to jump in the water to Jesus, wouldn't it make more sense to take something off of you so you'd be lighter in the water? But that's not what this says. This says that he put the garment on him. And I thought that was really interesting. And I was like, what do you mean, Jesus? And he gave me, and we don't have to turn, I'll just read it off of my um, notes right here. But he gave me Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah. Hold on one second. Isaiah 61.3. To grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness or instead of a faint spirit. So here, where Peter's getting out of the boat, what he's saying is, I'm laying down the faintness of heart and I'm putting on a garment of praise because I can see the Son of God and he's coming with provision and he is alive and he is well and there's nothing anymore for me to fear. So no longer is he stripped down only to the work of his hands, but now he understands, I'm going to put on that garment. I'm going to put on that garment of praise. I'm going to leave alone that spirit of heaviness because my hope is right in front of me. Because Peter saw Jesus make something out of absolutely nothing. And that's exactly what God wants to do with you. I caution you, though, of this. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are marked and sealed for the day of redemption. There are ways that we can grieve the work of the Spirit in our lives. We can do it through neglecting the Spirit. We can do it through ingratitude. We can do it through resistance of what God actually wants to do. Like Alice was saying this morning, like, let go, surrender, let God just have his way in us. The Holy Spirit wants to move through you. He wants to do something supernatural. But I want you to know that even today, if you've grieved the Holy Spirit and you have actually done the opposite and not hosted the Holy Spirit, because the Lord wants to, you to host the Spirit of God on the inside of you and serve that to other people. But if you haven't done that this morning, I want you to know that there is good news. Amen. You know, following that story, a continuation where Peter jumped into the water, you know, Jesus goes to him and tells him, if you love me, feed my sheep. He asks him three times. By the third time, Peter gets upset. He goes, Jesus, you know all things. And he, say, he, he reinstates him from all the times that he denied him, the three times when Jesus was being crucified. So Peter was a bold man. He was a person that was like, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I'll step up and fight. You know, even cut the ear of the, of the guard's ear off when they were trying to arrest Jesus. But when it came down to it, Peter was afraid and ran. So now he's being reinstated by Jesus in, in John 21, right? And right after Jesus reinstates him, you know where um, um, Jesus says, he gives us an example of how you're going to die for the glory of God. And you know what Peter does right after that? He looks at John and goes, what about him? What about him? He ain't going to die? The one you love, he's not going to die. I got to die, but he's not going to want to die? And Jesus has to rebuke him right after that moment, rebuke him and tell him, it's like none of your business. Your, your, your job is to follow me. So you imagine this. Imagine Peter being called to feed Jesus' sheep with that kind of attitude. 
The Bible would have been a, a totally different story. He would have been yelling at people, smacking people. Craziness, right? But he needed something. He was nothing. He needed something, something to make him something, or somebody. He needed something to help him feed the people of God. So today, what I'm going to do, which I'm like, I'm just like, I, I'm just like since yesterday, like not even nervous, but like, like just feel the presence of God with the Holy Spirit. I really want to introduce you. You know, sometimes, I don't know the state that you're in, but we do things in our own strength. And you hear it throughout the years in people's lives and jobs and, ch and church. They say the same thing. I'm tired. I need a break. What you tired of? You're tired of doing things in your own strength. You see, we were like Peter doing everything around strength. We'll give up on every situation. As soon as somebody offends you, you walk away. As soon as things don't go your way, you, follow, you find another way to do things. But today I want to introduce you to somebody. And he's my friend. And if you're a believer, he's your friend too. And he's the Holy Spirit. See, he's the one that's going to equip you and strengthen you to do everything that God has called you to do. Now, I can wake up in the morning and eat a bowl of cereal. I don't need the Holy Spirit to lead me like that. Right? You take a shower, you know, you don't need nobody to turn the water on. You know, it's really simple. But there are some things in our lives that we cannot get free of. And there are some things that God is calling us to do and confront and deal with. And we cannot do it in our own strength. So today, I'm introducing the Holy Spirit to you. I want to change, um, turn to uh, John 15, uh, 5. It says, it refers to the, the yeah, John 15, 5 up there. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I am in him. He is, he is, excuse me, he is, it, he it is, what? He it is. That is like bug, right? Whatever. That bears much fruit from apart, apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know what that is. What kind of language is that? Is that me reading it wrong or something? Jesus, I know I'm unlearned it, but God. All right. You could, Jesus is divine, and as we're connected with him and he's inside of us, we can't do nothing without him. But then another scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, the puzzle of the Holy Spirit, the reason why he has come is to equip us and strengthen us to do everything that God has called us to do. The problem is, like I said before, we do things in our own strength. We rely on our own strength to do things. I, I love this story where, um, is that allowed? Excuse me. When they brought Peter in Acts 4, you got to turn to Acts 4. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures because I want to I introduce you to where your power comes from. Where we get up to, uh, real quick, you know, when I would first preach, I remember anybody that was in the youth from my old church, the first time I get up to speak, I couldn't even speak. I was sitting there, all I, all I was thinking, was, uh, do they see my eyebrows shaking like this? Like, I feel it like this, but... I don't know if they see that. Such, so much fear I had to actually go do what God called me to do. But I realized somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit said, look, I'm here to help. Whatever you need to do, I can give you the strength to do it. Now, I can't stop talking, but anyway. We are Acts 4. Is that it? And when, this is what you, and when they had set them into the mist, and they, they inquired by the power of what the name did. What? Hold on a second. You guys playing with me? I'm going to read it. I'll read it for you. I, 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 I got I, you, boo. I got you. Okay. Well, okay, you ready? No, I got you. This is, this is why, you know, we up here married and, and you know, I'm his help me. All right, here we go. Verse 7. <laughs> and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Thank you. Thank 
Thank you. You're welcome. I'll reward you later. PG, boo. See, when they, Peter and um, John, they had went out and they, you know, um, Pastor George spoke of the story where they went to the gate, right? And they, the guy got healed from being crippled for like a thousand years, right? So when they saw this, they got arrested. They got put in jail. Now they're being brought before those same leaders that put them in jail. Not only that, but also the ones that crucified Jesus. And for some reason, when they spoke out their mouths, they were like, what, what authority do you guys come to do this stuff? What power did you have when... Uh, like a couple of days later, or how long it was, you just ran away, hitting, hitting from the, the out of fear and worry. Well, God, what they're gonna do to you? And all of a sudden, you got this power to go do. Where do you get this from, right? It says, uh, "Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, this is verse eight: Rulers and elders of the of rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and are being asked how he was healed." Then, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And verse 13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, that's like me, can't even read off the board, right? Unschooled, ordinary men, that they were astonished, and they took note that these have been men, men that have been with Jesus. Isn't that crazy? They were empowered by the Holy Spirit to the point that they didn't even recognize who these people were. This cannot be the same people with no knowledge, no understanding, could get up and actually speak this to us. I had this dream the other day. I was asking God, like, you know, give me something. I always ask God for giving confirmation for what, is that a squirrel? Let him, he needs to get delivered today. Because he, he, he actually backslid. He was here, like, what, last summer? And he bounced, so he's coming back to get redeemed. They all come back. That's what George said. They always come back. So he's back. So don't worry about him. If you're scared of squirrels, I don't know about you, man. Because you got rats in your house. So I know you're freaking out about Anyway. So I'm just playing. I'm talking about the people. And I think. All right. Um, so I had a dream, right? I had a <laughs> don't get offended. Email George if you've got a problem with what I'm saying. So I had a dream, right? And in the dream, I, I see three people that I love, three family members that I care about. And I saw them in the state that they were before they came to Christ, before God set them free and delivered them. And in the dream, one of them was trying to jump off a roof, and I was, I don't know how, but in the dream, I, was, I caught them. And then another person was like in a religious state, and they were going to jump off a roof, and I caught them. And I was to the last person. When I was dealing with the last person, the last person had like a spirit. And they were all like an like exorcist in the bed. So I, I came and I grabbed their arms and I brought them towards me. And I just said, you know, I was just praying over them like Jesus over them. And they began to speak. And this is what they said. They said, I am the dark spirit. They, that's what they said. And once he said that, I started laughing in the dream. Because when I was a kid, I used to have a lot of fear. I was in a lot, a lot of fear. And then I would, I would have these dreams where um, a, a, a demon would be in the room and he'll shut the light off. So I, and I, I would walk away. When I was trying to leave the door, it would suck me in. I would, and I would always wake up being sucked in to go into that room, right? So as I got older, as an adult, I was having the same dream. And, you know, one point, I got, when, when the Holy Spirit came, I got tired of that in my dreams. Like, I was fed up, and I was like, what am I supposed to do? I, even if I'm not scared of the dark, for some reason, in this dream, the thing is always trying to suck me in. Suck me into a place where I don't want to be. And I know it, it was spiritual of something I was actually going through in real life. I was under a lot of depression, a lot of frustration. I was attacked by the church and, and family, so I didn't know how to function. I had no identity. And I got to a point where when God gave me victory over that situation, the enemy was trying to remind me of where I used to be. And try to remind me of where people used to be. 
And I heard the Holy Spirit real clear, like almost like, get up since you participate in everything, please. <laughs> like, you know, we saw the example of where Pastor George and Pastor Miguel was doing the example with the Holy Spirit. You know, I felt the Holy Spirit like this. And he was whispering, he was like, you will boldly go where others are afraid to go. So I said at my mouth, I said, I will boldly go where others are afraid to go. And the dream shift. And I was in the middle, so weird, but I was in the middle of the Starship Enterprise. You know, Star Trek? Yeah, I watch a lot of movies, so God deals with me in the movies. So I'm, I'm in the middle of the Starship Enterprise, and I'm in there. People are going, ramp, going around. I see the different colored shirts. I don't know what that re represents, but you don't have like the brown shirt and the blue shirt, I guess, that division. So they're all doing stuff in a dream, and they're looking to me, and it's like, where do we go? What's next? What do we do? And I'm like, I don't know. Who's the captain? Who's in charge? What do, we, what do we do? And they said, you're in charge. Where do we go? And then because the, that, that word came to me right before that boldness, you will boldly go where others are afraid to go. I said, I don't care where we're going. Let's just go. And the dream go light speed and like the movie and stuff like that. I'm, I'm going to let you know today, you may not know where you're going in life. We don't know where all the things are going to happen. But the Holy Spirit is there to boldly take you to a place where you may be afraid to go. There are some things in our lives that... We have, some of us have addiction. Let me tell you something. The Bronx is small. I don't care how big you think it is. It's small. And I go on the street sometimes. I'll be like a McDonald's. And I see people here smoking and doing whatever. I don't want to say what they are. But, I'm, but you know what I'm saying? It's, we all have addictions of stuff that we haven't let go of. And in our own strength, we cannot let go of it. There are relationships in marriage that things don't work out. But because you can't do it in your own strength, nothing is working. This situation, whatever you deal with in life, whatever you have to face in life, you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. He's your friend. He's here to walk you through it. And you know, one of the things we do when we grieve the Holy Spirit is it, and not include him in what we're supposed to be doing. God sets us on a path like Peter, go feed my sheep. But how can you feed somebody when you're rejecting actually the food that you're supposed to eat? If he rejected Jesus, Jesus was that food that the people need to hear about. But he rejected him. So God reinstated him, but he said, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come, because he's going to empower you. We need to be empowered. As a people of God, we do things in our own strength. So when we come to church and we get blessed and we feel good, we go home, we have to face the same thing. We don't have no strength. Because we're grieving the Spirit, we're removing him from our situations when we need him totally. These things are so bright. He, we remove him out of our situations. And he's like, but I'm here to help you. I'm here to take you to the place you need to be. I'm here to speak on your behalf. I'm here to, to equip you, to strengthen you, to break those addictions, to bring you to places where you may be afraid of. You know, I had a dream years ago where, where God was calling. I seen this crazy thing in my old church, and I don't want to get into the dream so long, but in the dream, he said, who, who's going to shovel for me? And in, my, in the dream, I had to shovel. I had to pick up a shovel, and I was like, I'll do it, you know, and I was just shoving a path to Jesus. Now God is telling me, I'm about to take you to a place where you may be afraid to go. Are you afraid to talk to people about Jesus? I was in church for so many years, I didn't talk to but I was like, yo, I don't know how many crystals I got on the crown, but I don't think I got nothing because I don't tell nobody about Jesus. And I said, well, don't know about my way I live and stuff like that, and that didn't work, you know? But I had a freedom now where I can be like, you know, I'm going to speak the gospel in my job and minister and prophesy and not be afraid what people think about me anymore. And it's like the biggest change in my whole life. Where people, I could sit in there and someone's in the kitchen and I'm like, I just want to share something. Like, you know, I like to joke around. So they're always like, oh, what are you going to say? And I just prophesy a word to them. And they start crying. We have this refrigerator. I told everybody, we have a refrigerator. Everybody goes into the refrigerator and cries. 
And it's like a thing we do in, in my job. But it's like, why would I be afraid if I was in that dream and I wasn't in a place where I forgave people? If I didn't like the Holy Spirit to give me the strength to forgive, the Holy Spirit to give me the strength to heal, to heal people, to encourage people, to get out of my depression, how can I be in the position to help someone else? See, the Holy Spirit is giving you, has come to not only be a friend, but to be a comforter, to be your strength, to get through the situations that you cannot do on your own. And I feel really strong in my, in my spirit that in this church, a lot of times though we go weary and we keep on repeating the same problems, the same problems, it's because doing it in your own strength. You're not a bad person. You're not wicked. The only problem is we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and to strengthen us. You know how easy it is to just go to the Holy Spirit and say, I need your help right now. Because I know what I'm going to do right now. You, I need your help right now. And how can you just wait? Just wait up for him to give you peace? Wait on him to give you the strength to go step forward and do the next step of your life? I, I, I really, I, like I really, today I really want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. And if you, do, you have Christ in your life, I want to reintroduce you to the Holy Spirit. You know, in the Bible it says, um, um, I used to, we used to, every time they introduced the Holy Spirit in other churches, they would say, um, um, you know, the evidence of that is speaking in tongues. So they will get on the side. I just want to let you know that's not going to happen here today. Because I, I, got, I got hurt by that one time. But they will, they will have you line up in front of the pulpit. And they say, come on, you got the Holy Spirit. Fall on them, Holy Spirit. And they come on, speak in tongues, speak in tongues, speak in tongues. So people would just be like, little, boop, 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 boop. Like, I, I, you know, I'll tell you, I'm cutting that. I'm cutting that real quick. But, you know, because the fact of the matter is, we try to mimic what someone else is doing. And we're not really like thinking that that's all it is. Just to speak in tongues is all it is. But it says that Jesus did come to give you power. When Peter went, he spoke in tongues. He spoke in their language, right? And then when they spoke in language, they heard. And he spoke. 3,000 people were saved that day. He, he healed a man, and he had a boldness and power. He always speaks about it. I want to read something in John. This is Joshua 1.9. This is like one of my favorite things. I always read the scripture a thousand times. Joshua 1.9. You have that? It's, I have commanded you. Let me tell you something. I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. The version I have, it says, I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So many people are discouraged for doing the gospel. For the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. He lives inside of you. He dwells inside of us. He doesn't want us to be afraid anymore of what we're supposed to conquer. Whatever he sets you to do in your life, whatever he's calling you to get free from, he's here to help you. And if we abandon him and push him away, how are you going to overcome those situations? A cardinal mind, a lot of us have a cardinal mindset. But we just, we, we, we think we're doing the right thing. And we're pushing, we add, we add religious things to our, our lives in order to accomplish things. But we don't feel free. We get extremes. We either get carnal minded or we get crazy, cuckoo, religious, um, spiritual George, I was going to say it. We get spiritual crazy stuff where people are like, I don't want nothing to do with that. That's crazy. But I'm here to offer you my friend, the Holy Spirit, to empower you. And we need strength to continue this walk. We need strength in this church to continue what God is building and what he wants to do in this place. We can't no longer leave the Holy Spirit out of anything anymore. He has to be the focal point of everything we do. Because if we don't, we'll just do like Peter. We'll talk all this stuff, all this bonus, all this excitement, all we're going to do. And when it comes down to it, when Jesus is getting persecuted, we can run away. I don't want to do that. Somebody got a demon. I ain't messing with that. You pray for them. People get afraid. What you afraid of? It's the Holy Spirit. I don't have the power to do nothing. I don't have the ability to speak up here. Especially with my education, right? I'm a GED grad, kid. 
geez, then I got that in my old age. I didn't get that in 18 years old. You know what I'm saying? But God so fits. He said, through my spirit, you could do all things. Through Christ that strengthens you. He strengthens you through the Holy Spirit. So I want to have everybody stand up right now. I'm like, first of all, if you don't know Jesus today, I invite you to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. He will take you places that you never thought you can be. Better than a Starship Enterprise, I'm telling you. Take you places where you wish you can be. But we need to be empowered. And if you're struggling with things in your life, I'm talking about addictions, I'm talking about relationships, I'm talking about fears. I remember I used to have, I was in such a depression. I remember her talking to me one time years ago, and she was like, I was so depressed, I was so depressed, I don't feel nothing. And it's because a lot of things I dealt with in my old church, and a lot of abuse, and they, they saw me in a different way. And I was so defeated, and she was just praying, and nothing worked. She would pray, and I'm like, oh, I don't feel nothing different, because I was so stuck in that dark place. But when the Holy Spirit came, he brought light to my situation. And his words were like, you know, you don't have to do this on your own. You're not called to do this on your own. You're not called to walk this walk by yourself. You're not called to, to pray and do all these things and lead ministries and teach people. You're not called to do that by yourself. You're called to be unctured by the Holy Spirit and strengthened by him to accomplish everything that God has set, the good works he has set before you. So I want to encourage you today, if you need power, the Holy Spirit is here to be your friend. I ain't trying to make it all crazy and cuckoo where you get nervous. I'm just telling you, you need a friend. You know, like if I had a friend, I would introduce myself like, yo, you know, how you doing? If you don't like me, I'll like bounce. But the Holy Spirit don't do that. If you, are, if you want to be friends with the Holy Spirit, I invite you to come up right now in the name of Jesus and be empowered by him so that when you walk to the next day and you walk out of this place, you, you have a different mindset. And it's not like this thing that you, you're like a different person, but you now I have a strength like what I'm afraid to do. I'm going to have courage, and I'm going to go forward because I know the Holy Spirit is with me. You know, God was addressed. Jesus, when he called Peter from the boat, and he provided, he was addressing not only the lack of provision and calling that was materialistic, but what he was addressing, and we go on to see where he says, you know, do you love me, Peter? Jesus was addressing the lack of provision and calling in his soul. Does that make sense? Like, so there was something lacking in his soul. There was a confidence that he no longer had. There was something that, that was in him that felt like died along, when Jesus, along with Jesus when he died. And he was calling out to him and he was saying, oh, but I'm here. And what's so beautiful about this story is that Jesus, after even after they catch 153 fish, Jesus had already something prepared for them. He had made breakfast for them on the shore, on the beach. And he invited all the disciples to come and to sit down and to partake of what he had already prepared. So not only is he providing for you in the place where you lack in confidence, in the place where you lack in your calling, in the place that where you lack in your soul, but he's like, I've already even prepared something for you. So I'm going to provide for you, and I've already prepared it. So he's taking all the work. He's taking all the work out of it. Meaning you just have to be guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. This is not you trying to figure this out on your own. This is not me trying to figure out how to be a mom to five kids when all that happened to me as a kid was rejection and abuse and abandonment and hurt. Yet I'm raising these five kids 
three who are on the National Honor Society, two who are on honor roll, the younger ones. How on earth does a girl like me raise these kids to be something more than what I was shown? That's the spirit of the living God who makes something out of absolutely nothing. That's what God wants to do. How does this man who just told you that he got graduated and got his GED in his older adulthood provide for a household of seven and it be enough? Because the spirit of God has led him. How do I stand up here and be able to give counsel and be able to lead worship and be able to be a minister and be able to speak words of life and be able to do artwork and be able to all the other giftings and callings that God has put on the inside of me? How can I do that when I was diagnosed with mental illness, when I had to go to therapy for seven and a half years for trauma? How on earth does somebody like me stand up here before you and give glory and be a vessel of honor? How? 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 It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. You're not supposed to make sense. Just get out of the logic. Get out of the logic. Get out of that logic boat. Get out of it because God is preparing something supernatural. The fact that I have stories to tell my children about my life that are not only just bad now, but good stories. Stories of prosperity, stories of abundance. Stories of wisdom, stories of goodness and counsel. I don't deserve that. But we serve a supernatural God who's calling out to the lack of provision and calling in your life this morning. And if the worship team can come, I just want to open up the altar. And I want to invite you, if you're feeling like there's a lack of supply in your provision and your calling, whether that's internally, in your soul, and you're not feeling very confident, or maybe that's actually material. Maybe there are things that you're venturing out to do, and you're saying to yourself, there's no way I can do that. No, there's no excuse. The Spirit of God will provide. The same way he provided for the women's ministry out of those two, three little tubes of paint. The way that he's providing for me after I left my job in September and I heard the Spirit of God say, ministry, ministry, ministry. And I said to myself, how am I going to provide two incomes, a family of seven, five kids? What do you mean I got to leave my job? And the Lord's just been taking me and supernaturally supplying by the work of my hands, by the giftings that he's given to me. I'm even sitting here like shaking my head like, what? And you know that, you know that saying that says um, madness is repeating the same thing over and over and over and expecting a di different result? Now, to a certain extent, patterns, unhealthy patterns are bad. However, I've been doing the same thing over and over and over and over, and I almost stopped. And then, then I heard the Lord say, cast your net again. And I was like, but what do you mean? I got to do the same thing? I got to step out again and do the same thing? And this was in regard to my art and to my ministry of art. And I was like, but I've done that for six years. And, you know, what, what do you want from me, God? He said, do it again. It doesn't make sense, but do it again. 
Forget all that worldly mentality that if you repeat it over and over, it's madness and you're crazy. Do it again. Do the same thing that you've committed yourself to all these years. Do it again and watch me now. And I hear the Lord saying, do it again and watch me now. Do it again and watch me now. Cast your net on the side of the boat. Cast your life on the side of the boat. Cast your ministry. Cast your song. Cast your talent. Cast your ability. Cast everything that you have on the inside of you. Let the life of God, let the spirit of God well up on the inside of you so that you could just be overflowing and you can give other people drink with your faith. And I believe that every single person standing up here, I believe that every person standing up here has come to a place where you've said, I'm going to put down logic. I'm putting down the provision that even makes sense to me. And there are some of you that God is calling out and he wants you in ministry. And he wants you home with your kids. And I hear the Lord saying, there's some of you in here You don't necessarily have to respond to this, but I hear the Lord saying, don't be afraid of the provision. The Lord's going to supply for you and your household. There's a mom in here who's been struggling, and you've said to yourself, I really, I just want to be with my baby. I just want to be with my kids. There's stuff going on at school. I can't be there. I can't be there to counsel them. I can't be there to hug them when they're having a hard day because I'm so wound up in my work. But I hear the Lord say that if you be faithful for what he's given you, He will provide for you. He will. And I say that because I know it. I say that because I've sacrificed. I sacrificed for 11 years and I stayed home. And I know not everybody has that luxury. And so I'm not saying this to make anyone feel bad. But what I am saying was that I was bold enough to trust God. To be with my babies for 11 years. And I'm grateful that my best friend had a great sense of style. And gave me some amazing hand-me-downs. But... We got through it, and we saw the provision of God. And so I just speak a word of provision over every life that's standing in front of me. I just declare that your your jars will be full. You're going to be full with the provision of God. Your anointing and the gifting and talents and ability that God has given you is not going to run dry. God is a redeemer. Jesus redeems the time. Some of you are getting older and you're saying to yourself, but is there enough time left? And the Lord says, don't be concerned with that. Don't worry about that. Time is in my hands. In fact, time has been such a burden for some of you that it's actually overwhelmed you and it's made you stuck in your tracks. Like you've stopped. You've stopped. You've gotten stuck. And you've been so concerned with time. But I declare in Jesus' name that there is enough time for you to accomplish everything that was set for you to do before the foundations of the world. You were called from your mother's womb for great works. And you were called as a prophet to the nations to declare the glory of God and to declare that he will come back again one day. And there are some of you struggling and saying, but I don't know what my calling is. Be a prophet to the nations and declare the work of Christ. Declare that Jesus is the Son of God. Declare that he died on the cross, that he is a forgiver of sins. Declare that there is healing by the stripes in his back. If you're confused about your calling, know that you are the light of the world. You are a city set upon a hill that cannot and will not be hidden. You cannot be hidden. 
There is too much light coming from your life to dim yourself out now. There are some of you that have been trying to hide at work. You've been trying to hide your light at work. But the Lord says he's about to break loose and unleash his spirit through you. And you're about to see revival in your job. He's going to settle the matter with that director. He's going to settle that matter. That's for somebody in here. The Lord says he's going to settle the matter with your director. But he's not going to do it by might. Not by power. But he's going to do it by the spirit of the Lord. Because the Bible says... That he will share his glory with no man. So we give him all the glory. And this is not so we can say we figured this out. And if you ever come to Joshua and I and we give you a word from the Lord and it's so spot on. Don't ever say, gosh, you guys are amazing. Would you please say, wow, God, you're amazing. Because it's not us. We serve a very real and living God who is concerned about every single one of you, whether you're up at the altar or not. So I just want to sing over you just for a moment. I want to just sing a word of healing over you. Dry places, dry places, covered by the king. 